values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. How did we get where we are? Let's talk about that economically. And where are we headed? What are the experts now saying? And I think it's an important conversation to figure out what the experts are saying because consumer confidence has taken a dramatic downturn, which is scaring experts as much as anything else with inflation because consumer confidence plays a big role in how people spend or if people spend money. It's not just prices. It has to do with confidence. You're not going to go into debt. If you think you're going to need your credit, you're not going to put money on a credit card. If you may need it, you're not going to put money on a credit card or go into debt. You're not going to take out a loan or go buy a new vehicle with if you don't can't pay cash unless you're confident your job is going to be there. So consumer confidence matters a great deal. So it said Easter is the latest holiday to hit by inflation. Candy prices surge as supply shortages abound. That's one of the stories. But how did we get here? Let's go over the list of things that we know have happened. COVID-19, absolutely. Supply chain issues connected to COVID-19, absolutely. Are these all within the president's uh, control? Nope. Are there things that could be done or could have been done? Possibly. But so we had supply chain issues. Now we've got Russia. We've had a lot of different things that have happened that have contributed to the inflation in the U.S., But now look at the direction we're going. We have got and we're going to talk more about this in a few minutes when it comes to income taxes. Because they're now they as I said, we haven't had the Biden economy yet. We've had Biden regulations with executive orders, but we haven't gotten the Biden tax plan yet. That's going to come next. But where are we going next? There are many experts that are sounding the alarm of a possibility of a recession, which a couple of years ago, even during COVID-19, seemed like an impossibility that we would have a recession in this country the way that our economy is going. We have got the lowest jobless rate right now, or claims right now, I think in 50 years was what I saw on Friday when the jobless numbers came in. In 50 years. And now you've got experts debating on whether or not we're going to have a recession. So uh, Nancy Lazar, chief global economist for Piper Sandler, was on Fox Business and said this about what direction we're headed probably next year with America's economy. So here in the United States, I don't think we're going to have a recession. We actually spent the past week going over our recession risk index, and it is not signaling a recession So for the next uh, year or so. But we are forecasting a very significant economic slowdown with growth, U.S. GDP growth slowing down to about one. And the uh, ISM, the PMI, which a lot of people look at, moving down to 50. So that is a very significant slowdown. Um, And in particular, you're going to see a lot of weakness in the consumer side of the equation, where you have demand was pulled forward because of the COVID crisis for a lot of goods. And now you're going to see an actual decline in consumer spending on those goods. So that means we are going to see a significant slowdown in the economy nationwide. Where does Arizona stand? Maricopa County led the nation in population growth. Pinal, Yavapai both surged. But are we going to continue to see growth? And I think the answer is going to be yes. We will be the beneficiary of people moving to the desert southwest. We have set ourselves, and I say we, our our government has made deals and has structured the taxes in in Arizona so that we are very attractive to industry. So as California continues to tax their businesses out of the state, and believe me, it's not that people don't love California. 
They love California. They're priced out of California. Even if they like it, they know they can't compete. We talk about our corporate tax structure on the federal level, making us not competitive or making us more competitive, depending on what we do with the rest of the world. Well, California and New York and states like that have got to get their arms around the fact that your businesses that love you dearly and may even like some of your policies with the with the oppressive taxation on them, they can't compete and they're moving land costs and overhead costs and taxes and everything else are driving them out. So that's an important piece of it. One in five small businesses were closed in January, according to a survey. And here's something for Arizona to consider. Housing market is staring in the face of a perfect storm. The National Home Home Builders Association, their CEO, Jerry Howard, argues he's worried for the housing market as pending home sales continue to decline. So major purchases, major shifts. There are going to be people, as there always are. When we had the huge economic downturn in uh, in 2008-2009, when that was happening, um, we saw a shift in real estate. We saw more and more cash buyers coming from California and buying up homes at dramatically reduced rates. And we saw short sales happening and foreclosures happening. And the real estate market and a lot of people in real estate survived in that marketplace. So they were able to survive. It shifted the market. Now we're looking at people that are getting huge, huge prices for their homes. But where do you go? What happens in Arizona with this housing market? What about the employment market? Are we going to see a significant slowdown in the availability of jobs? And these are all concerns, and these are the fallout of inflation. And on top of the inflation we've already seen, the way you slow down inflation, part of the way, is you slow down the economy by raising interest rates and making it more expensive for individuals and corporations to borrow money. That's the way that you control inflation is by making it cost more money to spend money or to borrow money. So we are, if we see this stagflation happen where the average person is priced out of spending money and the people that have money, some of them have a little bit of money or are afraid to spend that money because they're worried they're going to be in the position of the people that don't have any money. And then you have the job creators that are wondering and the product creators that are saying no one's buying our goods and services anymore. So we could be in for what's considered to be by a lot of people a you know big trouble moving forward there are some experts that are saying we could see a recession so when i talk and i i guess people don't believe me and i keep trying to convince them but my political inclinations are to prevent this from happening because i believe my political inclinations make us all better it isn't as warm and fuzzy as other people's. I believe in charity. Believe me, I am someone that believes that we should be giving to everybody we can. And I think giving is the greatest privilege that we have. But I don't think charity is the government's job. As a matter of fact, I, th- I don't think they do a good job at it. The private sector always has and always will be a much better resource for charity to the people around them and in their community to take care of those that can't care for themselves and those that find themselves in dire need. It is individual. Individuals and the private sector that do a much better job of managing that.
Just my opinion on it. But as far as the economy goes, as long as there is a target on the job creators, as long as we blame the oil companies for profit taking and poaching the American people and, you know, the, you're taking advantage of the situation instead of addressing the, the production issues, as long as we do things like that and we demonize the job creators, we're never going to get out of this problem because you will see in this the rich will still get richer. You will see that no matter what happens in this economy in the next 12 to 24 months, the rich will still get richer. That's what they do. They just do it a different way. What about the working class Americans that are being left behind by bad decisions? And that's what I think Americans should be looking at more than anything else. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, we're going to talk directly about income taxes because now the Biden tax plan and what they want to pass for the next fiscal year in taxes, what will it do? Because they are targeting specific people. And I've got numbers on who's actually paying taxes in this country. So we'll talk more about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks again for joining me for part of the show. I want to talk about this. I think it's one of the most important topics of what's happening next. The way we got to where we are with gas prices is partly due to policy changes in the Biden administration. And it's hard to argue with that because then you have to argue that they haven't done anything. They have either made it harder for oil companies to drill and frack or impossible or more costly like they promised they were going to do and they've kept their campaign promise in order to save the planet or they haven't really done anything and it's the oil companies that are just profit taking. You can't have both. I mean they either did go after the oil companies like they promised or they didn't. They want to argue both and it's impossible with people that are just critical thinkers, that it's both. It's not both. The reason why I mention that is because that was part number one. Um, If you look at what's happened to the economy in the U.S., we are seeing regulation return to corporate America and the demonization of corporate America. And it, it directly affects the economy. You add that then, you add to that supply chain issue, bad policy, supply chain because of COVID, and there is some of that that's in there. Major ports in China being shut down. We know that we get a lot of our, a a, a lot of the goods we buy here in America are manufactured in China. And when that slows down or stops, it damages our ability to get them. It drives up the price. We know that that's a part of it as well. But you had bad policy. You've got COVID. Now you've got a war where Russia is invading Ukraine. But let's talk about income taxes because that's page two. This is where we start to get the Biden billionaire tax proposal. And it's called a billionaire tax proposal, but it's going after people that are probably far wealthier than any of us. Their value is they have over $100 million in value. So how does this change the taxes on those wealthy people? This tax is called the billionaire minimum income tax, but it actually applies to households with $100 million or more in net worth. So that's roughly the top 20,000 households. It's really a two-part tax. The first part is a minimum tax of 20 percent. That's a minimum tax rate. So they currently pay a tax rate of 12 percent. They would owe an additional 8 percent on their income. It also redefines income to include unrealized capital gains. So each year they would pay up to 20 percent on the increase in the value of stock or business, even if they never sold. So I want you 
as a consumer to think about, is it fair? Would it be fair to do to you? And if the answer is no, why is it fair to do it to someone else? Let me explain. The average house in Maricopa County has gone up so dramatically that the news stories around town are your house probably made more money last year than you did. So what happens with the dramatic increase in the value of your home? If you had to pay capital gains tax after you sold it, which I, again, I will argue with people about why that's a, that's an okay thing to do. But let's say that that's what you would have to do. If you sold your home, there's some capital gains tax you'd have to pay on the huge profit you probably made on a home you bought years ago. Now, imagine if every single year on your income taxes, you had to go and look at the value of your home and how much it had gone up and then pay taxes on that money. What money? I haven't sold my house. No, but you have that in value. So now out of the cash you're making, you're going to pay us what the value of your home increase has been over the year. That's what they're going to do. So the only way that you can think that this is a fair tax is if you think, ah, they're billionaires, they can afford it. You got $100 million. What are you complaining about? We could take 90% of that. You'd still have $10 million. Knock it off. You got a good life. Quit complaining. That's the only way that anybody thinks this is fair. Now, because of what we've done with COVID, we have uh, given out stimulus checks and the money that we've had to give out, that we've continued to give out. Last year, 57% of American households didn't pay any federal income taxes, which means 43% of us paid it all. So, Someone explained to me, when you hear this pay your fair share stuff, you know, I'm not, I, I, I will be honest, I aspire to be wealthy. I aspire to be financially independent and spend my later years traveling around the world and being able to see things I only dream about. That's my goal. And I'm not there. But I don't envy those that are. As a matter of fact, I admire them. And, and someone, I wish there were people of means, I wish there were wealthy people that had enough courage to stand up and defend their wealth and what they've done with it. I, I can go and I can list for you some of the, the billionaires and multimillionaires that live here in this town, and I can call their families out by name and tell you the amazing things that they do for organizations. And I know that they wouldn't want us to do that, but there are, there are corporations out here who, uh, who the primaries in those corporations live here, and they do things for the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. They raise money for cancer research, for Phoenix Children's Hospital, for every organization you can think of for the 100 Club of Arizona, uh, the amazing things that they have done, whether it's it's the Holly family from Discount Tire or it is um, the people from uh, Bob Parsons and his wife who used to be GoDaddy, whether it's the Schoen family from U-Haul, these are families that give immense amounts of money away every single year. And then to have the the government demonize them and say we're gonna uh, we're gonna increase their income taxes by eight percent right away, and then we're also gonna have this fantasy of all the things they own. Why would they own anything in America? Why would they own anything? Why wouldn't they just sell off their assets if they're gonna have to pay uh, uh, capital gains taxes on property they haven't sold yet? It is it, it's 
absurd. And what this is going to do to drag down the American economy, it's going to hurt all of us. That's the thing here is it's not going to help you and I at the cost of someone else. It's going to hurt people. The price of things will go up. And those entrepreneurs, those those uh, people, those venture capitalists that invest in other people's ideas and help young entrepreneurs not to make the same mistakes they made will not play the game. Why would they? And this happens every time. We're going to talk in just a moment about a candidate for Maricopa County attorney. Her name is Julie Gunnigal. And what she had to say about the new abortion law. She said it on a a TV show this morning. Is she sounding like an activist? And is that the person you want in the job of county attorney? We'll talk about that next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, a big shout out to Laura Prakel George from Phoenix. She won the $100 that we just gave away, and we do that every day during the week. We are doing that to walk up to our 100 days of giving for our 100th anniversary here at KTAR News. We have been a part of this community for almost 100 years. That happens in June, and until that anniversary, we're giving away $100 every day of the week to during the weekdays to a listener, and that listener gets to choose a charity of their choice, and we'll give another $100 to that charity. She chose Shows all about animals. Animals. So, if you would like to be a part of this, just text the number one hundred to four one one ninety two three. That's one hundred to four one one ninety two three. That's how you can be a part of it. All right. So, let's talk about the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. It is a very important job. I said for the people of Maricopa County, it's as important as the governor's job, in my opinion. The reason why is we elect a sheriff. And the sheriff of our county sets in place the policies of how deputies across the, uh, the, the county will actually make arrests, what they prioritize, how they investigate cases. And it really is the leadership and policies of that office. On the other side of that justice coin is the prosecutors that prosecute those cases. You have police that investigate and make arrests. They can they gather evidence and then prosecutors use that evidence in cases of prosecution or settling cases in courtrooms. The county attorney sets the policies of that office. One of the candidates, she was a candidate last time around against Alistair Adele. She lost, not by much, but she lost. She has got a big following on social media. She's got a lot of money behind her. And she was on with um, Bram Resnick on, uh, on, on Sunday morning and was talking about the new law that is being – we figure the governor is going to sign, which would stop abortions after 15 weeks. And so she now says this about that law. Your county attorney should always be working in the interest of justice and prioritizing those cases that do justice for our county and our residents. And that means not prosecuting people for their health care decisions, including abortion. Wouldn't that be ignoring the law? Bram, let's not pretend that that's not happening right now. Your county attorney on every single day that they are in office makes decisions as to what is in the interest of justice, what is not, what to prosecute and use our limited county resources and what isn't worth it in the protection of the public. And I think we need to make a strong statement, not just that Arizona's won't support this, but that it is a waste of resources to prosecute people for their health care decisions. So you would not prosecute any abortion cases? No, not ever. So now let's go back. 
even if they had the adequate resources in that office. So she made an excuse in saying we have to allocate our resources and prioritize the crimes that we are going to prosecute because of limited resources in our office. She ends it by saying no, not ever. So then it isn't just about it's about her political opinion on abortion. I want you to hear the beginning of that again. And I want then I want to ask a question about it. Just the beginning of this. Your county attorney should always be working in the interests of justice and prioritizing those cases that do justice for our county and our residents. OK, right there. Does the county attorney. Should the county attorney be deciding what those cases are? Is that what we are going to elect the next county attorney to do? And I think that's an important question. Um, most, You know where I stand on the issue, but this is about wrestling with it yourself. The Supreme Court of the United States does not always agree when they make decisions, or I don't always agree with them when they make decisions. And there are times when I've disagreed with the decision, but I listen to the reasoning behind the decisions and make decisions. Uh, you know, I, I think about it further past that decision. When somebody writes the dissenting opinion or the majority decision, uh, when Chief Justice um, Roberts they made a controversial decision during the, the Obamacare fight, and they sided with the Obama administration. And it made a lot of conservatives angry because they thought Roberts was going to side with the conservatives. But what he said as a judge, I found to be interesting and encouraging. I won't always agree with his decisions or any decision of someone. But he said, in, I'm paraphrasing, it's not our job to deem whether a law is good or bad. It's our job to deem whether or not a law is constitutional. If you don't want bad laws, stop electing bad lawmakers. And I will say that 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 attitude applies to the sheriff and to the county attorney. You know, if you had a if you had a sheriff's deputy that said, you know, um, you aren't that much over the legal limit. And it's a misdemeanor to drink and drive. I'm going to cut you a break. Take it easy. How would you feel about him letting that person go, especially if that person went on and hurt someone? There'd be lawsuits and you don't arbitrarily do those things. The county attorney is making a political statement here of being pro-choice, which she has absolutely every right to do. She has every right to be pro-choice. She has every right to protest this law. She has every right to stand out in front of the governor's office at the Capitol building if she chooses to and hold a sign talking about a woman's right to choose and that you can call this a health care decision all you want to. You have every right to do that. But that makes you an activist. Do we want an activist in the county attorney's office? Every one of us understands that there are big problems in that office, that, uh, um, that there are things that need to be dramatically changed in that office. But does that mean that we want somebody in that office that's an activist? And we've invited Ms. Gunnigal on the show. She's going to join us this week, I believe on Wednesday, and I'll get you the date and time. And we're, But we're going to have her on to discuss this because I've never met her. I don't know her. But – does she really believe that her job is to decide the, between the differences in good and bad laws? And that's what she is saying here. And then she, you know, she shadows it in saying what I'm talking about is the resources of the office and where we best allocate them. But then she said, no, not ever. 
meaning you could give her all the resources in the world, she wouldn't enforce this law. She wouldn't prosecute those cases. And I don't know that that's the right temperament, in my opinion, the right temperament for someone that's going to run that office. I think their job is to enforce all laws as best they can. Um, In a moment, we're going to talk about the comments at Ukraine, and uh, 85% of Americans are worried about us being drawn into uh, uh, that war. Is it getting worse in the minds of the American people? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. 85% of Americans have some level of concern that we'll be drawn into the Ukraine conflict. Uh, 26% say they're very concerned. 38% said they are somewhat concerned. By comparison, only 11% of adults surveyed said they were not very concerned at all that the U.S. is going to be pulled into this conflict in Europe. And 4% said they're not concerned at all. So the majority of Americans are concerned that in some way we're going to get pulled into this. We are a war-weary nation. All those years in Iraq, all those years in Afghanistan— Loss of life, loss of money, and if you look back now at the way we pulled out of those two nations, we've got nothing to show for it. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't talk about this in recent weeks because there's so much going on with Ukraine that's immediate. Um, the Taliban, by the way, had made some promises about educating girls. Um, I have girls. And I have a granddaughter. I have nieces um, that I absolutely love as well. And I, we have a push in this country to make sure, and it should be this way. I work with some phenomenal women in this building that we want to make sure that if you're good at a job, that you get the job. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're the best person qualified, your race shouldn't matter, your gender shouldn't matter. If you're qualified for that job, you should get it. I've never had a problem having a female boss. Never, ever. I worked one of the one of the people that trained me when I was a, uh, a uh, an apprentice electrician was a woman named Michaela, and she was a fantastic electrician. Never had a problem working for a woman, and I never will. And that's the attitude we have in this country, and we promote it. We also want to make sure that people have an equal opportunity at making a living and following their dreams. Well, you know, the Taliban said they're not going to educate girls anymore. Past elementary school, they're done. They're not they're not going to open. They're not going to keep the schools open. So it's just, you know, we've gone backwards in so many places that we were in for so long and we've lost blood and treasure and so many of the best and brightest among us, and we're shrugging our shoulders and wondering what it was all for. We also are a member of NATO, and we have sworn alliances with people that if you go into a NATO country, you fight one of us, you fight all of us. Well, Ukraine is not a NATO nation, but Poland is. Poland is concerned. The President of the United States made a statement in Warsaw when he was speaking to the world, not just as the American president, but he was also speaking as a member of NATO and said, we've got to get rid of Putin, that he can't remain in power. And it is incredible that he made that statement. The White House has had to go back on has has had to go back and say, wait, whoa, wait a minute. We're not Anthony Blinken. You know, they are saying now was was Biden calling for regime change. We do not have a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. In this case, as in any case, it's up to the people of the country in question. It's up to uh, the Russian people. What we do have is a strategy to strongly support uh, Ukraine. We've been doing that and rallying partners and allies around the world to do that. 
So when the president of the United States calls uh, Vladimir Putin a butcher, I'm not saying it's off. I, I think he's 100 percent accurate. I think that Vladimir Putin would like to dominate the world. I think that Vladimir Putin misses the days of the Soviet Union being a superpower that's now been turned over on that side of the world to China. And I know that Vladimir Putin, more than anything else, would like to rebuild that Soviet Union and be a superpower. No doubt about it. And if he could dismantle the U.S. at the same time, it would be a bonus. I have no doubt about that. They are murdering people in Ukraine. No doubt about that either. But when you go on the world stage representing the United States of America and other NATO nations and you call for regime change by saying that he cannot remain in power. If you didn't hear it, this is this is the president. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. For free people refused to live in a world of hopelessness and darkness. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principles, hope and light, of decency and dignity, of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. His poll numbers on the economy and his poll numbers on the handling of the war and his poll numbers on every other aspect that would be important to the American people are lower than they've ever been. The American people on a daily basis are losing faith in this administration, and it's a sad, I will tell you it is a sad thing. I don't agree with the policies of this administration. I don't, but I don't ever wish for us not to be successful as a country. Economically, things are becoming worse because of these policies. At the border, worse because of these policies. Internationally, worse because of these policies with foreign policy and the handling of this situation and others. COVID-19, more deaths in the first year with a vaccine under this president than under the year before that, under the Trump presidency, before the vaccine. When he ran for president, he said, you know, I don't uh, – a man, anybody who presides over this many deaths doesn't deserve to be president of the United States and followed it up with a year of more deaths. They've been wrong about everything. What happened to, what happened to the winter of death? The new strains and the new variants. The American people do not trust uh, the word we get from the CDC at, very much at all. So there has been failure after failure after failure. But this comment about Vladimir Putin, as much as as American people, we see him as the evil empire. Those statements are being used to propagandize within Russia and strengthen the resolve of the Russian people that they are the victims, that they are being victimized by NATO and the rest of the world. It's a dangerous thing that happened and how they can get take that back. I don't know. You have just now made Russia a sympathetic figure. And it shouldn't have been said and it shouldn't happen. Is it time to start more domestic production of oil? That we had somebody on from the American Petroleum Institute this morning. They did a survey and in Arizona, 90% of voters in Arizona from this poll say we should be energy independent. I want you to hear a little bit of what he had to say and what we could do to up production of petroleum products in America. Next.